Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Happy Tuesday, everybody, and welcome into another edition of GC Live Talking Tuesday Nights. He's intern Joe. I'm Mike Yuva. And the Gamecocks, for the first time in what feels like forever, they have found a way to get a win. Three now on the year, three and six. Still a lot of work to do if they want to become bowl eligible, but certainly that remains on the table. But the focus, at least for this week, Joe, is just being able to do something they haven't been able to do all year, and that's being able to win back-to-back games as they have Vandy coming into town. As we do every week, we lead things off with our biggest takeaway of the day from Tuesday's press conference. Shane Beamer met, which was followed by having the players talk before that. Had a chance to listen to Stone Blend. OD Fortune was in there as well. Shoot, who else was in there, Joe? Yeah, DQ uh, Smith was out there. Yeah, DQ. It was, yeah, DQ, Stone, um, and then OD as well. I think it was just those three today. Yeah. So yeah. a lot of All defensive defense. talk today. Yeah. A lot of defensive talk. Is that what grabbed your attention today, or is there something that changed? Yeah. Today? I mean, it's a lot of defensive stuff right now. And, like, obviously, I think they're at the point where they know, like, the offense is doing their job. A lot of the questions are going to be defensive um so yeah i mean my biggest takeaway from everything at the pressers today is there is i mean they're really really working on third down on both sides of the ball both offensively and defensively but they're at the point in the year where they know they've just there's a couple things they got to nail down and then they just have to execute in certain phases of the game um and then just defensively they haven't been able to um and so that's been the glaring i guess miss if you will um and so I, I don't know. That's not. I didn't really take away a whole lot today. Other and then also, I mean, I think the locker room still bought in as you would expect, right? They're still playing for ball eligibility. They're still playing to you know finish the season off with a bang, finish the season off looking good with you know a couple wins down the stretch, putting it all together at home, yada yada. Um, but yeah, the locker room, everything's still intact um, despite the the close win last week. Yeah, I think my biggest takeaway today. I mean, I wrote about the takeaways and how the defense and they need to be able to get out of that funk. Right. I mean, they go over a month for crying out loud without forcing a turnover. They were able to have four takeaways this past week and first time they've been able to do that in over a year. You have to go back to November 5th of 2022 against Vanderbilt to find the last time the Gamecocks were able to force at least four turnovers. So I think takeaways to me, is the biggest thing. And a lot of the players were saying the same thing, right? You know, turnovers come in bunches. That's what defensive coordinator Clayton White preaches to them. And the fact that they practically all said the same thing 
lets me know that they're still locked in and they're still paying attention to what, you know, is being said. The keys are right. Um, I, I bring that up because when you look at Vanderbilt this weekend and you look at some of the things South Carolina needs to do, and I think, and I hope, I hope the majority of the fan base already understands this, but even the, the, uh, the jabronis out there that uh, will just look at it as, Oh, it's Vanderbilt. You should just be able to beat them. <laughs> now with this South Carolina team, and not just with that, just for the fact that what Vanderbilt has proven over the last couple of years, which is if you sleep on them, they will beat you. They will beat you. Go ask Florida, right? Go ask some of these teams, Kentucky, go ask some of these teams who laid an egg against them. And certainly, and I say this South Carolina team, if South Carolina comes out and looks like the South Carolina teams that we've seen throughout the year, and I'm not talking about, you know, specifically offense, defense, but I mean, it could be everything. If you come out and you lay an egg against this team, they will beat you. They have size. They have speed. They have playmakers. This is the SEC. Okay. This is the SEC. Yes, it's Vanderbilt. It's not Alabama. It's not LSU. It's not Georgia, but they're still an SEC team. I mean, if you lay an egg against them, <laughs> that I, I don't even want to think about what things would be like a week from today, having to talk about South Carolina falling to Vanderbilt. But having said that, reason I bring that up about the takeaways, though, this Vandy team has really struggled, really struggled this year to protect the football. Yep. They have turned it over 17 times this year. That's tied for the 15th most by any team in FBS. So the point being is you're coming off a week. We talked about this last week, Joe, right? A game like Jacksonville State, you wanted to find confidence. Certainly, you would have loved if they could have been a little bit crisper, a little bit cleaner in certain areas in all three phases. However, they were able to gain that confidence, starting with, number one, the win. But – Number two, getting some takeaways. Number three, being able to finish in a manner in which they did, never mind what the score was, but being able to get that big interception and return it for a touchdown by Stone Bland. So I bring those things up because you gain that confidence. You're able to say, hey, now we can freaking do it. You know, they knew that they could do it, but they hadn't done it in such a long time. So now you see it, right? It's like the coaches in youth basketball. And I'm sure it all it goes all the way up to professionals too. You hear people say, visualize the ball going through the hoop when you shoot a free throw. Now you've actually been able to see it now, right? Your shots start to drop. You feel more confident. Same deal last week. You're able to get some takeaways. So I think, look, when we look at this game this weekend and what is on the horizon, Kentucky, Clemson, competition is going to start to pick up, right? Competition is going to start to pick up during this four-game stretch. It feels like it's gradually getting better and better each week. At least that's what it looks like on paper, despite the fact Jacksonville State was 7-2 and two heading into the game. This is another game, though, you need to be able to gain confidence because, again, Kentucky's on the other side of that. Kentucky might not be world beaters, but at the same time, too, they're a pretty good team. They're a pretty good team. And they're going to, again, the competition's only going to get better. So I feel like... This weekend, very similar to what we said last week, it's about confidence. Never mind just getting the win. It's about being crisp in some of these areas, and hopefully they can be able to clean things up and they can play a full game. It feels like they haven't done that all all season. Furman, they played a great half. Georgia, they played a good half in the first half, but they haven't played a complete game 
where you feel good about all three phases of the game. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what they're trying to, you know, work on in practice. And it sounds like, I mean, at least from a standpoint of, you know, being able to have a good practice and a good week of practice, they are able to string it all together. It's just, you know, DQ Smith was talking when I asked him about, you know, 50-50 balls and how, how they're going about repping that. It was a similar response to the, the response that he kind of gave about, you know, executing on third down. He said it's more of a mentality thing and, you know, going up and just winning you know, the, the 50, 50 ball. So I don't know. I, I feel like it's very similar. It's just more of a mentality thing. And down the stretch, you got to tune it up and tighten up and especially against Vanderbilt. Uh, Mike, you were talking about, you know, how their offense is a little turnover prone, but you know, Shane called them opportunistic, you know, they're, they're ready to strike. They're also a very good SEC team. You know, if, if you lay a goose egg, uh, you know, if you lay a goose egg, you're in deep, deep doo-doo. Um, so I, again, I think, um, you know, going forward, you you want to see this team string it all together in th- all three phases. And, you know, the fake punt, obviously Shane owned up to that and said it was his bad. And, and you know, um, I forget what he was talking about. Um, but, yeah, I, again, you string it together all three phases against Vandy and, you know, you should take care of business going into Kentucky. Cody asked a question, says, can we just say Juice Wells isn't playing anymore? Like, come on, he's probably healthy, just waiting until the draft. Why won't they just come out and say that? Well, Cody, we've talked about it on this program before, and I and I stand by it. And my colleague, Chris Clark, I think he put something out maybe a week or a week and a half ago, supporting what I've been putting out there now probably for the last month and a half or so, which is the conversations of Juice Wells coming back next year, they've took place. They've already took place, and it's not going to stop. Having said all that, I, I think the big thing is, and I don't want to put it all on Juice, but the way that Shane talks about Juice in these press conferences, you know, he, he doesn't want to throw him under the bus, but I think some of it too is from a mental standpoint of wondering how quickly can you get back out there? Because Shane keeps saying each week, I don't want to say that, you know, he's officially out yet. And I understand from a fan standpoint how frustrating that gets. Certainly you want to see, not just one of the best wide receivers in the country out there, but the way that Xavier Leggett's playing right now, my God. I mean, you imagine having those two guys out there, especially if Juice Wells is able to play at the level that we saw him play last season and the things that he was able to do last year at South Carolina. So there's a lot of frustration, I'm sure, from this fan base, and rightfully so, but I truly don't believe – I truly believe that we'll, we'll see Juice come back at some point this year, especially if South Carolina wins on Saturday against Vandy, win against Kentucky. You have that Clemson game. I mean, and again, this is more of the, okay, we're making assumptions here. They have to do this. They got to do that. Um, I'm just not ruling him out yet. I'm not. I had a chance to see Juice a couple weeks ago. He's in good spirits. He's walking around fine. But there also comes that mental hurdle. I don't think he's fully shutting things down and just thinking about the NFL. I know there's some people that will put that out there. I don't think that's the case. I certainly don't think that's the case. Now, having said all that, I've even told intern Joe this. Thursday, we have a very special guest for GC Live Afternoon Drive at 2 o'clock. He's going to be coming on to talk about Xavier Leggett, Spencer Rattler. We'll also get some Juice Wells talk in there as well. And I'd like to know what he's hearing from NFL scouts out there. 
and that's ESPN's Field Yates. Uh, Field's going to hop on. We're going to talk. Uh, he had a tweet about Xavier a couple weeks ago. I've known Field for about a decade now, and Field is one of the best when it comes to just being so locked into what's going on. Obviously, he's done a tremendous job at ESPN. He wears about eight different hats. There's a lot of fantasy football stuff now, too, but he's very locked in when it comes to the draft. And certainly when you look at this year's upcoming draft from a quarterback standpoint, it is very deep, arguably one of the deepest it's been in a long time. But when you look at wide receiver too, you just look at the board itself from a skill position standpoint, there's a lot of talent. There's a lot of talent. So I'm very interested to hear what he thinks. The NIL error, which we have mentioned many times with juice, but I would say this for anybody you can never rule that out now. The fact that you have an opportunity to come back, and I, I can't remember who it was today. I think it was actually our good friend uh, Cox by 90. I think he tweeted this out today. He tweeted something along the lines of, if you're juice, and again, this is, I'm paraphrasing, but if you're juice, you see what Xavier Leggett did this year in one year and how much he raised his draft stock up. If you're juice, you come back next year, you ball out. Not only are you able to make some money from an NIL standpoint, but you're able to get healthy enough to be able to go out there and put that good tape together. He's proven what he's capable of doing. And I know there's so many people that have said that. But my argument to that is a lot of scouts are going to say, what does he look like, though, now coming back from this injury? And that's not to say if he were invited to the – some of these senior bowls or take part in pro day that he can't impress people because he certainly can. But at the end of the day, as we all know, what can you do actually when you're on the field in pads, right? Senior bowl can help out a little bit. No question about that. Um, But being able to do it over the course of a season can really help him out. That's why, again, with NIL, if this was a couple of years ago, I don't know if I feel as confident saying that I feel like Juice will come back. But I think with NIL, I think you're crazy just to, uh, to look at it and be like, man, there's no chance. Or, man, I can't see that happening. I mean, kids now more than ever, if there was a carrot dangling in front of them now, and you know, look, we're not naive. There's a lot of stuff that's happened in the back doors over the years when you're talking about college athletics. But – this is in the front door, and everyone can see it. And I think he'd be crazy, crazy not to consider coming back next year, especially knowing with what this draft class could look like. And again, I'll I'll throw it out there. I'd be interested to hear what Field Yates thinks just based on this upcoming draft and just the talent. And if he was his agent, and obviously they can't have an agent right now from a player standpoint – what he would advise Juice to do. Yeah, absolutely. Juice Wells is a very, very talented player, and I think you know he still has a very, very bright future in football. Um, he's not going to let this injury get to him, whether he ends up on the field, you know, the end of this season. If not, um, you know, he still has a very, very bright future. So, regardless if he goes to the NFL or not, um, you know, I, I still think you know he, he can. He's going to be a gamecock for life. You know, number one, I think that's that's given going forward but you know very bright future in football so i i mean 
regarding Cody's question, I, I think there's still, you know, a chance he gets on the field. If this team still has a chance to be bowl eligible against Clemson, I think, you know, there's a chance, but again, I, I'm not necessarily in the meetings to, to hear if, you know, what the status of his foot actually is. And the way Shane sounds about it is, you know, if, if we can somehow find a way to get him to go, if we, you know, really need him, um, he'll go, but yeah, no, I mean, he's, he's got a lot of NIL options. It's not really an issue for him. So it's going to be a big decision whether or not to come back. And I'm interested also to hear what Fields has to say about it. Um, and yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting. And then I, another thing, Mike, I, I'm gonna have you ask Field about is is about Debo Williams, because um, mm. to see if he could go, or if there's potential for him to get drafted as like an Ernest Jones type of player as well, um, just kind of an outside linebacker that can really tackle. Um, talk about some Gamecocks that have a future after this season. Um, I, Debo Williams for sure. Yeah, Debo certainly raised his draft stock in the way that he's been able to play and. Having the opportunities too. I mean, to, to go in front of the cameras. I mean, that's something that gets overlooked so many times. But when you hear Debo speak, it's not just the fact that the guy can put a sentence together. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about through the ups and downs. When he talks, he has that leadership voice. Like you can just hear it in his voice, right? When Ernest Jones was here, and Ernest Jones, probably one of the best quotes to be able to get during my time at South Carolina. I mean, there's been some fun quotes too. I mean, being able to cover a guy like Frank Martin and some of the quotes. But what I'm talking about, when you listen to a player talk, you knew that whatever Ernest Jones was going to say, he was going to say something that you were going to walk away with and be like, man, like that's 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 that's, that's something that we can take away and have a better understanding of how the team's thinking, how the team's feeling right now. Very similar to Debo. So I think, again, the way he's been playing will help him, no question about it. But just the leadership abilities that he's been showing week in and week out anytime he's in front of the camera, after losses sometimes, he's been the same guy, even Kale. And I think that's a perfect transition to this next question by Big Red. Big Red, well, it's more of a comment, but Big Red says, Beamer seems to think that we can't be upset about the play on the field just because we won. We have higher expectations than he has, apparently. This is the issue. This is the issue. That's not what Beamer said the other day. That's not what Beamer even said today. And I think that's the biggest issue right now with the comments that Beamer made the other day. And the comments that Beamer made was like, we're going to celebrate the heck out of this win. Because in this league, it's difficult to get wins. And I said this before. For a team that had a four-game losing streak, I don't care if it was against the friggin' Columbia Knights Pop Warner team. I really don't care. You need to be able to get a win, and that's exactly what they were able to do. If they went out there against the friggin' Columbia Knights and they beat them 80-something to nothing, or they beat them 7 to nothing, might have some issues if you're only beating a Pop Warner team by 7, but you get the point. They go out there, they win, you're going to celebrate that. Because you hadn't won in, again, weeks, weeks, you needed to be able to do something to be able to gain some confidence. So that's number one. Number two, the other issue was there was a video surfacing of Steve Spurrier from 2014 when they beat Vanderbilt. And naturally, there's been a lot of people that have seen that clip and they want to compare that to what Shane said. If you don't know what I'm talking about, 
going to play the clip. We'll have some thoughts on the other side of it. And then we'll continue. So here's what Steve Spurrier had to say back in 2014. Again, this is what a lot of people have been talking about in comparison to what um, Beamer said. That uh, was a game I didn't like a bit, although I'm proud of the offensive kids for scoring a bunch of points here and there. And uh, Bryson Williams picked one off, got a defensive score. We sort of thought we might could get one. Uh, but the way we play is embarrassing. I told you guys, it's embarrassing the way we play. And I'm the head coach of this embarrassing group of guys. Allow two kickoff returns. Uh, defensive backs won't turn around and look for the ball when they lob it down the field. In three deep, they throw it off the two-yard line. Our kid, that's got to run right by him. It's embarrassing, but we are who we are. We're not a very good team, but we're three and one somehow. And we got all the voters fooled thinking we're pretty good, I guess, because we beat Georgia. Uh, but anyway, I, I don't. I don't know exactly what all uh, can can help this team. I really don't. We thought we coached our butts off all week, and we, we could look like a decent team. And, of course, they run the opening kickoff back. So I'm taking over kickoff coverage. I, I told Coach Joe Rob, I'm not going to watch him anymore. I'm going to take it. If we have to uh, pooch it on the ground, which was pretty good for us. That, that grounder was pretty good. But maybe we found something landing can do better than anybody in the country, that grounder, because it took a funny hop every time. Uh, but uh, – uh, it was sad. We just kept running right by the, the kickoff return guy, and he just split us uh, just about every time, I guess. But uh, anyway, it was discouraging, but it is what it is. Uh, we have to almost score a touchdown every time, or we're going to get our butts beat somehow or another, it seems like. And uh, fortunately, we have to score a bunch. Uh, guys hit some passes. Uh, Dylan had a few good ones here and there. Missed it. When Dylan snuck it in, I said, that was a mistake. We should have take, taken about three downs to try to sneak that thing in. There was four minutes left. So you get the point. You get the point. So that's that's Steve Spurrier, though. Okay? Yeah. And Hunter says, what's wrong with that? Okay? He's taking accountability like Beamer should instead of blaming himself every time. A lot of praise is given to that 2013 and I know it's 20, 2010 to 2013, but there's still a lot of players that were on some of those 13 teams that played on, in 14. This is what Mike Davis and Demir Bird had to say, and even Steven Garcia, okay, about those comments. So you see Mike Davis, get this up, and I'll zoom in here, just to make sure that's big on everyone's screen. Mike Davis says, I see a lot of folks praising this video, but he definitely lost respect for a lot of players and the team meeting was even worse. Scroll down a little bit. You see Demir Bird. This isn't the kind of post-game interview that will get folks ready to play for you. Now, the reason I say all this, the reason I say all this is this. Right after that, the next five games, South Carolina goes, what was it? 0-4 against Power 5 teams? They went 1-4. In that next in their next five games, they're fortunate to be able to play some non-power five teams towards the end of the year. They beat Florida in there, but because of a hot start, they were three and one. They were ranked. Then you go on again one in a one and four run over your next five games. You're fortunate to be able to limp in to being bowl eligible. That's not the same as this year. So when people want to compare it. Oh, this is the same. No, no, no. It's not the same. Three and one ranked to be at the beginning of the year. That's not the same compared to this year's team. It's not. So I bring all that up first and foremost because 
what took place right after was the beginning really to the end. And those are just two players that have talked about it. The number of players that have texted me since Sunday night, since that video was uploaded, saying that is really when the team started to have a disconnection from Steve Spurrier. So the reason I bring that up, though, okay, reason why I bring that up, because Hunter, you're not wrong when he said, what, what, what's wrong with that? That was Steve Spurrier. Steve is Steve. Shane is Shane. Okay? And I thought it was great yesterday. I know we're hopping around a little bit, but it all goes, it all goes hand in hand. Because yesterday I had former Gamecock offensive lineman Preston Thorne hop on with me to talk about it. And this is what he had to say. We can get this to share. The only thing a player wants out of a coach is for them to be authentic and for them to be who they are, not to change who they are. So if this is who Shane has been for his entire career, then he has to continue being that. You can't come in and switch up your style because now players are going to look at you in a totally different fashion. And so when you see this, you see you see Shane being overly positive, maybe uh, overlooking some of the negatives. That's what's led to this team's success. They pulled successful runs at the ends of season in two straight years. So we he's earned the benefit of the doubt as far as his coaching methods are concerned. The same Shane Beamer, the same guy, the same guy that beat Tennessee and then beat Clemson last year. The same methods, the same way he went about it. That's how he's going to continue to be. He talked about it today that he's been in locker rooms in the past where a coach comes in and just chews out the team. And he's seen pro and he's seen teams just go south after that. So if you want Shane to go out there, and I know there's been another clip, and I am a big fan of Sean Elliott and what he's doing over at Georgia State, not just this season, but since he's got there and turning that program around. But I've seen that clip out there saying, man, I like the fire in him. Sean is Sean. Shane is Shane. Spurrier is Spurrier. And I think people need to friggin' just cut the crap about saying, like, oh, I want to see that. Because, again, as Preston Thorne said, and I've been in locker rooms, but, again, don't you don't have to t- take the word of the friggin' former Gamecocks. You don't want a coach going out there and just putting on an act. You don't want that. How he is is how he's going to always be in front of the camera, in the locker room. That's just how he is. And, yeah, sure, things have been great this year. And you think he's happy about it? No, because he was back in the building early on Sunday, and he said that he was probably a miserable person to be around on Sunday and even into Saturday night. But the point being is this is Shane, the same man that you were celebrating. And I'm not saying this directly at you, Hunter. Maybe you were celebrating, though, what took place last year. The same man that you guys were celebrating a year ago when he beat Clemson in Tennessee, and even Kentucky, throwing the shades on, right? The sa- he's the same person right now. He's doing things the exact same way. It's a down year. It's been a bad year. However, they got to win. They got to win, and that's what they needed to do. 
Yeah, Mike, I mean, at the end of the day, right? Like Shane, um, like his whole thing is culture at the end, like is is the over everything, right? Like culture is the root of everything that he's trying to preach. So if he were to go out there and start blaming it on the players or, or something like, like that, the only way the, the culture being the center point of your program is if you can take blame upon yourself and wear it and take it and take it off of everyone else. And that's how you get guys – to play for you. So I think in this Shane Beamer era um, with as much of a focal point culture is he's going to stick to himself. He's going to stick to his guns, do what he's good at. And that is taking the blame and, and, you know, wearing it as, you know, his fault because a lot of it is. And, And so I think, you know, him doing that, creates you know it keeps the the hierarchical status and whatnot but it also you know it keeps the team invested right it's like all right like you know and it helps you know just morale and and keeps that culture that he's been trying to keep for a long time because all of the former players that you said mike have reached out and whatnot and and have all said you know when spurrier said that the locker room kind of went right it was gone so Shane understands that. And I think, you know, too, just being down to earth and also understanding the players a little bit more. Um, I, I think that's just how football's evolved. It's a little bit easier to understand your players and stuff like that. And also it's year three. I mean, I, it, it's still in the baby stages of this program. Well, I'm sorry. I like this. Joe, pro, it wasn't born on third base. Shane wasn't born on third base. And that's a good point. And Hunter, I appreciate you following up. Hunter says, yeah, I was for sure. But just don't get how we go from eight and four to three and six in year three. And that's, look, it's a fair question. It's a fair question. I wish I had it in front of me. Phil Kornblut of Sports Talk Radio, he was sharing this. I don't know if it was last Wednesday or if it was the week beforehand. Maybe on last Wednesday. But if you go back and look at the history, especially in recent years of South Carolina coaches, and what they did in year three, that's usually, I don't want to say that's when things go south, but that's usually where there's been a dip, right? Now, even for a guy like Steve Spurrier, even for a guy like Steve Spurrier at South Carolina, year three wasn't anything special in comparison to what he was able to do after that. But the point being is, so the first two, so, so, and I, I hate comparing different coaches. I hate comparing different coaches, but I know a lot of people have been talking about Spurry the last couple of days. So let's stick with that theme for a little. So South Carolina, seven and five, eight and five. And then that third year, they go to six and six. Okay. And if you go to 20, if you go to 2007 with USC and who they played, right? I understand they were bowl eligible. Okay. I understand they went six and six. But I I share this though, Joe, because look at how the season ended five straight losses, five straight losses. So. I bring that up because with what's going on right now with USC, I understand some of this might not make sense to anybody. You look at what took place in Spurrier's third year here, though, especially after the start they had, right? Start the year off six and one and then lose your final five games. You beat, I think it was what, number 
number seventh ranked team in the land, or excuse me, number eight team. You beat Kentucky. You do all these amazing things, and then you weren't able to finish off the year. I bring that up because that year didn't make sense, right? There's certain things that just don't make sense sometimes in year three. I don't know why that's the case. But again, if you go back historically and you look at, especially in recent years, South Carolina coaches have really struggled in year three where they just haven't been consistent in comparison to how some things played out after that. So again, we could sit here and it's not making excuses. We've talked about it even going into the year, how certain positions were already going to be thin, whether it be because of youth, whether it be because of lack of proven talent. Injuries have plagued this team on the offensive line in particular. They've played in other positions, linebacker being one of them because of Mokaba going down, Stone Blanton, some of these other guys have had to play more snaps. Debo, Debo Williams has had to play more snaps. I, I think more than anything is this team is still, again, as Joe, we've talked about this, they're still a little bit away from being able to get to that point where they're going to start to turn the page. And a lot of that has to do with recruiting and USC did a tremendous job with this past recruiting class. They're in good shape right now and they could be even better shape depending on how things play out, which, Oh, by the way, it appears that Daniel Hill will be making his commitment in the next couple months. That'll be after December. We'll get into that a little bit in just a little bit, but I say these things because it's not like it hasn't happened before here. And things have gone well. But I don't want to compare in a big red saying, you know, I think the reason that we've uh, that we've held the last two coaches, the Spurriers, because that's the last time we had consistent success. And big red, that's fair. That's fair. But I would say this to this. I, I would this is what I would respond back to that. The way Spurrier did things, okay, he had a lot of success here. He's the greatest coach in USC football history. No disrespect to Joe Morrison, but the, what he was able to do, he did some things that were never done here. Wins, all that stuff. The talent that he brought in. However, just because he went from 2 plus 2 equals 4 doesn't mean you can't get to 4 another way. 3 plus 1 equals 4. Four plus zero equals four. My whole point being is, this isn't a math class, there's still ways to get from point A to point C. That point B in the middle, you decide how you're going to get to that point. And Beamer is choosing it to do it a little bit different. I think when some people, and myself included, we talked about the blueprint, right? Beamer has the blueprint of what success looks like at South Carolina because he was part of the Spurrier era. I think for a lot of people, they looked at that as, oh, it's going to be Spurrier 2.0 in a sense. Where he's going to come in here and this is exactly how he's going to do things because that's how he knows what success is going to look like. He's going to do things his own way. He's Shane Beamer. Again, he's not Spurrier. He's not Sean Elliott with that post-game press conference the other day. And I think the quicker people can realize that, the quicker they'll realize, like, hey, you know what? Shane had two really good years. Probably arrived a little bit quicker than a lot of us were expecting. And because of that, the expectations for year three, rightfully so, they go up. 
But just because he's having a down year this year, and just because they're three and six right now, doesn't mean, hey, he's got to start changing his ways. Man, he's got to start doing he's pit he's celebrating wins, their third win of the year when they're three and six. It's the same guy who he was a year ago. So that's that's where I'm going with that is he's not spurrier. He's not spurrier. He's trying to do things his own way. And it, it, it's working. You had players gravitating to that. You had a player in his office the next day, a very highly touted recruit, who was in his office on Sunday talking about the environment. And yeah, no kidding. The environment wasn't that great, despite what they said with the number of people in the crowd, because it certainly wasn't 70, whatever the heck they said. Certainly what wasn't the case. However, the guys that were there, the fans that were there, they made that place loud. They did a good job. Was it as loud as what it typically is? No. But they continue to leave an impression, and these players are continuing to gravitate towards what Shane is doing. And I think that's what the most important part of it all is, despite, again, some people not happy that he's not getting all pissed off. I mean, you know what's ironic about some stuff, Joe? Some of these people that are upset about that, they're the same people that probably thought Frank Martin was too hard on, on, on his players. You know, I mean, yeah. pick, pick a side, pick a side. What do you want? Yeah, absolutely. No, I mean, yeah, it's comes back to winning. Let's just call for what it is. They're winning. No one cares. Right. Shane going on, throwing the glasses on last year, Shane dancing around. They beat Tennessee. They beat Clemson. Right. He wants to be Ted Lasso, wherever you want to say, you know, it, no one's upset by that, but because they're not winning. And I get that, but just call it for what it is. That's what you're upset about. You're not upset that he's not getting pissed off at, after post-game press conferences the way that you want him to. You're pissed off because they just haven't been playing well this year. And when they finally do get a win, you're not happy about that because they still stink from a record standpoint. Yeah. Frederick says, uh, we as humans are irrational. One Thank or the you, other. Frederick. You get a you get a player's coach or you get a hard ass. It's one or the other. And I think today's day and age, you see a lot more players coaches, and Shane is one of them. But he'll, I mean, clearly not afraid to, you know, put his foot in the door, if you will, um, when he needs to. And if things continue to go south this year, right? And I hate doing hypotheticals. And Peyton asks, you know, is it safe to say that Vanderbilt will probably be the last win of the year and going four and eight? I, I don't think that. I mean, I'm not saying that it's not possible. Certainly, it's possible they go four and eight. It's possible they go three and nine. But again, this team has looked different at home. This team has looked different at home. I don't know why that has been. I don't know why that has been. Now, some people are going to say, okay, strength of schedule. I get that. But for whatever reason, when they're at home, the offenses look totally different. Right? You're one play away from beating Florida. One play away from sitting here talking about a team that's five and seven. So I bring these things up because I think we need to see what South Carolina does this weekend. I know that sounds crazy to some because just like, well, we should know who this team is by now. We should. And we still don't know who's going to show up this weekend. But I also think, too, with what they were able to do last week from a defensive standpoint, going up against a team for, for whatever reason, a struggle to hold on to the football this weekend, you got to be licking your chops, especially knowing, Joe, that they had four takeaways last week. If you include the Stone Blanton pick six, three of those four 
ensuing drives for South Carolina, they resulted in points for USC. The only one that did not result in points is at the end of the game when South Carolina took two knees after the OD fortune interception. So I bring that up because that was missing from this team for a long time. Even in that Tennessee game, and I know Tennessee ran away with it towards the end, but even in that Tennessee game, they were in it for a good portion. The interception right before the half killed them. That interception, the pick six right before the half, that doesn't happen. I'm not saying South Carolina wins that game, but the way you play that second half is completely different. It's completely different. You're not in desperation mode the same way that you were. And what happened that game, though? South Carolina was able to force some turnovers. When you're able to force turnovers, good things are going to happen for you. Might not necessarily result in a win, but good things are going to happen for you. In the South Carolina team, they hadn't done that in a long time. In a long time. But they were able to get the takeaways this past weekend, and you saw what happened right after that. Points, points, points. Again, Stone Bland, I'm, I'm considering that the ensuing drive just to throw in for the sake of conversation. They need the takeaways this weekend. They do that. I'm not worried. I'm not worried about the offense this weekend. If they're yeah. able to go out there, no, they're able to go out be. there. And I know, and I know Vandy causes, I think they're second, what, second in the country in, in forcing turnovers. I get that. Be smart with the football. But with Rattler, the interceptions that he's thrown, a lot of them has just been, you know, playing from behind, trying to force something, trying to make something happen, desperation mode more than anything. I'm not worried about South Carolina's offense. If USC is able to get the takeaways they did this past weekend, you even get two. I'm not worried about this offense. I'm not. Yeah, no, you shouldn't be. I mean, they've been lights out, you know, week in and week out, and they've been the most consistent thing about your football team, realistically. Like, uh, obviously, they've had a couple ups and downs and, you know, haven't been able to convert on third down. Um, and sure, every offense has those kind of mumps and struggles and stuff like that. But they've been a very consistent force for your team um, pretty much all year. And so you're going to rely on them to win you football games, especially down the stretch. So, um, I, yeah, I'm not not worried about the offense, Mike. Going back to Big Red and Hunter, I'll go back to your question in a minute. Big Red says he just doesn't want the record in play in the field to deteriorate or, or to uh, take away from the top talent from signing or uh, being able to get guys from the transfer portal. I think, look, obviously South Carolina not having a great year, even if they were to go 6-6, six and six, go to a bowl game. There's going to be dirty recruiting out there, right? It's like, oh, you know, you want to go to South Carolina? Did you see what they did this past year? And while it's funny to talk about this right now, because some people have been, I wouldn't say crucifying, that might be a little too strong to, to compare it to, but a lot of people have been getting on Beamer for his post-game press conference from the other day. The reason a lot of these players want to come here is because of how Beamer is. Again, Beamer is not going to change. I keep saying Ted Lasso. I started finally getting into Ted Lasso. Very similar. I, I'm, only, I'm, only, I'm only a couple episodes in, so no spoilers here. But yeah. it reminds me a lot of, of Shane Beamer. So I have no idea. I mean, I could get into friggin' the end of the season or season two and Ted Lasso gets fired and then everyone's going to be like, great comparison, Mike. I, I don't think that's what happens. But so if I'm wrong, someone cut me off and tell me to stop making that comparison there. But 
where I'm going with all this is that's just who he is. He's not going to change for people. Now, certainly, and this leads into a point where I think Hunter brought up, you know, do you think Clayton White might get let go? I, I don't think you can rule anything out. And it's not just Clayton White. You can look at any coach on that staff. Yeah. And the reason I say that is, it's, it's you know. It's just fair at this point. It's fair. Well, it's, it's a fair assumption to make. You do this, but you do this every year, even when you're winning. You're going to evaluate everything, right? You're going to evaluate your players. You're going to evaluate your coaches. You're going to evaluate head to toe everything about your program, everything about your program. You're going to evaluate yourself as a head coach. You're going to evaluate the small things that from the outside people don't look at, right? Could be some of the stuff that you're doing from a strength and conditioning program standpoint. What can we do better there? What can we do from a nutritional standpoint to be better here? What can we do with the way that we conduct our practice schedule and just the way that we do our days from the time we wake up to when we watch film, like just little things, little nuances. But I bring that up because I don't think you can rule anything out. Certainly not. But I also think, too, that unless South Carolina really takes a nosedive these next couple games, it's not going to happen in the, in the middle of the year. It's just not. I know some people are looking for that to happen. And I've also pointed this out before. And some people just don't want to give uh, – they don't want to put the blame on the on the players. While it is the coach's job to make sure players are in the positions to succeed, yes, I understand that technique, all that stuff. There's been many times this year, and we saw it this past weekend from a tackling standpoint. It wasn't, and Beamer talked about it today, it wasn't like they took bad angles. It was just they couldn't tackle. They were physically right in front of them, and they couldn't tackle them. Of course, they're practicing that. It goes back to the you know the bubbleoos during uh, basketball in the days when Frank was here, saying, "Oh, they practice free throw shooting because they kept missing free throws." Yeah, no, they they don't. They've never took a friggin' free throw shot in practice before. I mean, come on. Oh, they're not practicing. I mean, come on, really? They're practicing. They're just for whatever reason. You can only do so much in practice. At the end of the day, you can't hold a player's hand when they're out there, right? Again, the play that I keep pointing to. And I don't want to seem like I'm crapping on the kid because, as I've said many times on, on here before, how much of a fan I am of his. But I think back to that DQ Smith blitz off the edge. His responsibility is to not lose contain against Florida. Do not let the quarterback get outside. And he lost contain. And because he didn't do his 111th, that resulted in Florida being able to pick up the first down, and then they kept going down the field. So I use that play because I think that play is a microcosm of the issues that South Carolina has faced this year, which is, yes, at the end of the day, you can point it back to the defensive coordinator. I've said this here before. I know that the board has talked, that there's plenty of people getting into airs on people on the board, that they're not happy with Clayton White and that they want to change. And Shane is very well aware of that. But at the same time, too, he also knows, meaning Shane, he's aware that some of it has to do with just players executing. Players have to execute, which which is ironic, Joe, because a couple weeks ago, right? Can't remember the exact game it was. Shane actually talked about that. May have been the was it the AM game? Can't remember the exact game it was. Or was it the Florida game? I point being is he talked about afterwards saying, Oh, we need to execute better or whatever. You know, players got to and then people, whoa, 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 Shane. Hey, don't throw players under the bus. But now all of a sudden, though, you know, it's just, again, it's the, it's, and it's not, when I say that, it's not every fan out there. There's a yeah. portion, there's a portion of this fan base. But that portion 
gets the loudest. It gets the loudest when things aren't going the way that they want them to. It's like mommy and daddy said, put the toy back. You're not getting that. You know, we're going out to dinner. You know, can't get candy right now. And they start kicking and screaming. And they make a friggin' huge scene in whatever department store you're in. Yeah. They make the no. waves. Plain and simple. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, Linus Train asks, Mike, do you think our offense continues to grow with schemes that better fit personnel? <sighs> with the schemes, I mean. I think that's I what think you're that- seeing already this season. Right? I like, think I think the tough I think the toughest part I think the toughest Spencer. part about it has just been the injuries that they've faced, right? I mean, you have the offensive line, which is the most obvious thing that has been a big issue for USC this year. You're literally been playing musical cheers all season. Good to see Case and Henry back in the lineup last week for the first time since week one after going down. Fortunate enough to be able to get Vershawn Lee. You're trying to figure out now not just who your five best players are on the offensive line, but which five work best with, with with each other as a unit. So I'm interested yeah. to see what the starting lineup will be this week. And I think we can kind of piece things together. But what does that unit look like now that there is some more health outside of the fact that Trey Jones will be out this weekend? And, oh, by the way, uh, on Joyner will be out as well this weekend. So what does that do for the backfield? Juju McDowell had some nice plays this past weekend. Will we see him have uh, a bigger role? We're in that point now, too, where – you have three games to go. DJ Braswell has appeared in two games. Got in some, got into, uh, got in a little bit last week. So I bring those things up because perhaps we see Braswell play here too. Um, but I bring that up because I bring that up because I think from an offensive standpoint, Dal Loggins has been just kind of like a chameleon. He's been just changing things up to fit what works best with them because they keep changing so much because of injuries. Juice Wells goes down. You have Juice Wells out there, right? Which we saw against Georgia in that opening drive. I think he had like 30 or 40 yards receiving on that opening drive. That changed the game plan completely because now you don't have Juice, right? You have Juice on one side, you have Xavier again on the other. So we've seen Xavier hop around a little bit. So I- I've been a big fan of what Dal Loggins has done can, you know, based on everything that they've been dealing with from an injury standpoint, what you laughing at over their giggles? Nothing, nothing. I just, I mean, I, I agree. And I, this comment from RL is, is really good. Nothing wrong with the team celebrating the win. He's got, got on some bad people's side um, by calling out miserable fans who weren't happy with the team showing. Maybe they can do the first and not the second. I thought it was pretty good. I, I RL, I think, I think you're spot on. I think here's the issue with it. I think the rational people, and I'm sure you're, you're, <laughs> You are one of those people that are rational. And I think a lot of people that are on here are rational. There you go. Give yourself a pat on the back. But I think the majority of the fan base understood what Shane was saying, which was he's talking to that portion, that portion that we were just talking about, right? The kicking and screaming child in the department store that's not getting the toy or the candy bar that they want. The only thing I would say to that is don't even worry about that, Shane. Don't worry about what's being said on social media. Don't worry about that portion of the fan base. I think the part that's challenging, though, is in an era that we live in with NIL and transfer portal, and you're trying to find a way to make sure people are happy. I think the tough part is is trying to make sure that you are aware of what's going on and you let your players aware that you know what's going on, but at the same time, too, you don't want it to be a distraction, right? 
So I get where Shane was coming from with some of that. I think he could have forgot about that part, you know. I think he has uh, been biting his tongue for quite some time over the last couple of weeks because, again, the small portion, small portion of the fan base. But you're going to have that anywhere you go, right? It's not even college sports. It's not just in the South. We, I understand football is life down here, and that's what I absolutely love about covering football at South Carolina. But you can go anywhere across the country. You're always going to have a portion of a fan base like that. Um, I think he just, again, just ignore it, ignore it. What else we got here? Do you want to hit some ads quickly before we wrap it up? Yeah, let's do some ads. Word. Sounds good. Talk to you guys about our first sponsor of the night. As always, our good friends over at Liberty Tax. Tax ID is that uncertain feeling you get right before doing your taxes, but you don't have to go through it alone. The tax team at Liberty Tax and Irmo Lexington and Columbia will walk you through the process, clear up any confusion, and guarantee you'll get the biggest possible refund or your money back. It's tax time if you're in a hurry for your refund. Call on the tax team at Liberty Tax, fast, accurate, and guaranteed. On the other hand, if you think you might be owing Uncle Sam, talk to the Liberty Tax team to make sure you're not paying more than you should owe. You'll find They'll find every possible deduction for you. Locally owned and operated, staffed by tax professionals from your neighborhood. Open 9 to 9 on weekdays and 9 to 5 on Saturdays with multiple service options. Start through the Liberty Tax mobile app or through the desktop portal. Make an appointment or just walk in. Give a call to upload your tax documents. And when you come in, your return will be ready to review and sign. Give them a call on your screen right now, 803 462 Five five seven six. Once again, eight zero three four six two five five seven six for all of your tax needs. And today's show is also brought to you by our good friend Clint Hammond at the Movement Mortgage. If you're in the process of purchasing a home right now or trying to find the lowest rate, do exactly what our very own Wes Mitchell and his wife did when that time came, or what former Gamecock quarterback and Captain Perry Orth did with his wife Shannon. They gave Clint a call, and they were able to find the best rate. And as many of you know right now, if you're trying to buy a home, finding a low rate is not necessarily easy. But Clint and his team do a tremendous job, and they can make that process much easier for you. So give him a call, 803-771-6933. Once again, that is Clint Hammond, longtime supporter of not just Gamecock Central, but every single one of these GC Live shows which he sponsors. Moving along. Before we wrap things up, a lot of college basketball going on tonight. Watch some of those games. Got some action, too, but shout-out to Lamont Paris and Don Staley. Men's and women's basketball teams getting wins last night to kick off their seasons. Big Red says, I think the players take more blame because of NIL. Money talks to the positives and negative. I think with NIL now more than ever, players are fear of game. Now, I think here's the the – still the the part that's tricky you are dealing with children essentially i mean right even if they're 18 19 years old 20 this is all new to them you know even though they signed up they signed up for this um so it's just like anything in life you're walking just the that fine line but you understand what's right and wrong for example after the game i think i put a tweet about stone blanton getting a getting the pick six and how it couldn't happen to a better person, right? Because he had a rough day. Again, this is criticism. He had a rough day. Missed some tackles, took some bad angles, right? And he'd be the first to tell you that, that he didn't have the greatest game ever. However, he makes a huge play. And without that play, South Carolina doesn't win. 
and very similar to the Florida game, all it takes is one play, right? South Carolina gets that sack. They win the game. Still an ugly game. Still a lot of problems with the defense, but they won. Jacksonville yeah. State, Stone doesn't make that play. What happens? We're sitting here talking about a similar situation to what we saw against yeah. Florida. So I put that out there, and the first thing someone says, yeah, but you also had 15 missed tackles. Some people you're just not going to make happy. You're not. Yeah. But, again, there's a fine line. You want to criticize, criticize, criticize away. There's a fine line, though. There's a fine line, and people know where that line is. Hunter Kelly says, well, explain because I broke my phone after the Florida game. Not proud of it. Oh, hope you were able to get a replacement for that. Oof, that's brutal. Uh, Frederick says, the question I would ask those fans is, what if your supervisor rode you at work the way they talk about the players? And for some people, they would enter the transfer portal, Frederick. The world, uh, the, the business side of it, right? The job transfer portal. But uh, for some of these players, I mean, that's what you sign up for. You you sign up to get coached up. And I think, too, just because Beamer is talking in front of the cameras a certain way, don't get that misconstrued with the way how he talks to his players at practice. And I say talk. I'm talking about getting them coached up, riding on them in the sense of what a coach does. Right. There's just there's a way to go about it that change shoes. What are you smiling at? You're like a friggin' feather up your backside. What's what are you giggly about today? I'm sorry. I'm scrolling through some Twitter in the background, just kind of keeping tabs on everything happening. I thought um, you had a funny some, joke. By the way, intern no, I Joe am, does stand-ups. I don't, I don't I am, does stand-up comedy. I didn't know I, if he's I am practicing also a new joke write over jokes here. in the background. Look at I just made him blush right there. I yeah, didn't know yeah, he had a new you, joke. Did, you got you caught me writing some jokes in the background. Sorry, sure. <laughs> You're good. I, look, if you had a funny joke, I just want you to share the rest of the class. No, it's that one not, kid back not, in the day that was chewing some gum. Share with the rest of the class. At all. Definitely not appropriate for for and and that's yeah, not safe for work. John, we can be bros. He asked, are we bros yet, Mike? Sure, John. Absolutely. R.L. Smith says, we'll wrap things up because Joe's got a, a big show tonight. R.L. Smith says, if he does that in the future, just take a page out of Dabo's playbook and rehearse an off-the-cuff response. Yeah, some of those plants, right? You have uh, Stevie in the second row ask you a layup question, and then you're ready to go. You've been practicing that little speech you've been saying in the mirror. Uh, what else we got here? We'll wrap things up. Get your take, Jotzi. R.L. Smith says, question, what professional had the most uh, significant influence or impact on your professional pursuits? Good question. I don't know. I mean, Mike, you, you're you obviously one of them in my young budding career, I guess you can say. But, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to claim the young card here. Well, it's my mom's birthday tomorrow, so I got to give her some some love, right? Happy birthday, Mama Yuva. Uh, certainly my dad. He's in his 40th yeah. year of coaching high school football. Big game coming up this week in second round of the playoffs. They shellacked the team they played last week. But there's so many people out there that help you throughout your career from a TV standpoint. Uh, just the people that give you the time of day when no one else would. And Steve Burton, I've mentioned his name before. He's the sports director in Boston, been up there since 94. Some of you guys might recognize that last name, Burton. His daughter's actually a sideline reporter currently for ESPN. Does some college football, actually did the Colorado game last weekend. 
She was at the NFL Network before that. She does an outstanding job. But um, yeah, Steve Burton certainly. There's been you know people that just give you an opportunity. Uh, Brendan Hall would be another one. So names that no one would know down here, but uh, you know if any of those guys tune in, you know who you are. We got here on the defensive side. I think White did pretty well the last couple of years. Do you believe the issues we are facing is talent, re, uh, talent related, trench coaching, or strength training? I think it's more just lack of experience more than anything. And I know that sounds funny now because we've what we've played nine games so far, right? Nine games, but the fact that USC has so many new faces out there on defense. I, I just, for whatever reason, the execute, even the guys like, again, mentioned DQ Smith. Um, I mentioned um, Nick Eamon Worry. I mentioned some of these guys who have done some good things this year. Obviously, DQ and Nick, they played on a different level last year as freshmen. But there have even been times this year where they've made some errors, right? And everything's going to happen. You're going to make mistakes. It doesn't matter who you are. But they've made multiple mistakes whether it be you just want to call it the brain fog or whatever the case may be that you just wouldn't expect them to make so i think more than anything it's just simply executing simply executing i think there's been some good things that the defense has done um even this year I haven't done it consistently there's been times i think it was the missouri game there was double coverage and a guy just makes a catch in between two guys i think it was actually the first touch uh touchdown pass of the game so I bring these things up because there's been times that South Carolina has been in position. Think of the, the play that Beamer was talking about today. I think it was right before he was interviewed in the second quarter, if I'm not mistaken, where the player was like a screen pass and the guy goes from the right side of the field all the way to the left, just dodging guys like he's playing friggin' Frogger out there. That should never happen. N- not even talking about the SEC, that shouldn't happen in high school, middle school football. That should never happen. So I think a lot of it really has to do with just execution. Now, I've said this before. At some point, if guys aren't doing what you have, you need them to do, then you got to ask yourself, do you need a new voice? I, I don't think they do right now. I think a lot of it, again, just executing and the fact that you don't have some guys that you can turn to just because of the lack of proven depth at certain positions. Now, if this is a year from now, a year from now, and you're having these same mistakes, that's a big problem. That's a really big problem. But I think some of it we expected to see at certain positions. And then some of it, unfortunately, started to happen. Right, We went into the year. We knew the secondary was going to be inexperienced. We knew that already in terms of the depth. In terms of the depth. That's why Marcellus Dial played friggin' 90 snaps the other day. Now we're starting to see some of those younger guys come on, which happens over time. It just takes them a little bit longer to come along. Some guys are able to pick it up quicker than others. Doesn't mean they're a lost cause. Some guys just take a little bit longer. That's okay. But I think that plays a big part as to why we've seen certain things play out this way. Injuries, again. You see what happened week one, losing a linebacker. And because of that, Debo Williams have had to play, has played a little bit more. Stone Bland has had to play a little bit more. 
trying to get Pup Howard up to speed. Bam's been playing a little bit more as of late. So that's where I would I would point to more than anything. R.L. Smith says, guys, I was wrong about my redshirt stance from a few weeks back. Apparently, redshirting is an important uh, consideration for some players. Some want the year of practice, working, and learning. No question. No question. I mean, we know what took place a couple weeks ago, and I can tell you um, from that incident with Xavier McLeod that it wasn't just that isolated situation, that there was multiple things that went on uh, leading up to that. But, yeah, some players are going to want to be able to redshirt, and that's okay. Now, if it can work out for the team, in this case, South Carolina, there's been some guys that haven't had a choice because you need to throw bodies out there, Joe. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. We need our own Tyler from Spartanburg. Yeah. Or else yeah. says, what do you Tyler, got, Joe? Tyler, Tyler from Spartanburg has a wanted poster up somewhere in South Bend, I'm sure. All right. RL says, good good move, intern Joe. Hunter says, uh, thanks for replying. I'm out. Always next year, I guess. Well, let's see. Let's see, Hunter. I mean, it would be, it would be, I mean, obviously it speaks, it would speak volumes of how this team rallied together if they were able to become bowl eligible. But even just getting to that Clemson game, being five and six, which would mean they'd have to win two games. That would mean you've won your last three games. During a time period where it would have been real easy for this team to just pack their bags. and But, again, got to win this weekend. Win this weekend. Uh, no, it is uh, Caleb Burton, R.L. Smith. Not uh, Marquina. It is Kayla. And then uh, R.L. Smith again says players really have to make tackles and get to the ball carrier. It is telling that teams are converting third and longs and 75% of first downs. That is lack of execution uh, more than the D.C. making bad calls. And I agree. And again, too, and Beamer brought this up. I think it was maybe not this past Sunday, but the Sunday before that. There were opportunities. There were opportunities to be able to create some takeaways. In South Carolina, they weren't able. I think it was against Texas A&M. And they weren't able to do that. And I bring that up, Joe, because when you think about how opportunistic this defense was the two previous seasons and where they ranked with being able to force turnovers in the SEC and it was first and then last year was second, coaches can't can't go out there again and hold your hand and say, here you go, Johnny. Here you go. Here's your interception. Oh, here's your fumble recovery. You got to do that on your own. And there were times in that Texas A&M game, and there's been other games too, where USC has had opportunities to be able to force turnovers, and they just haven't been able to do that. You saw what took place this past week and when they did that. Again, that's not to say the defense played a flawless game. They held them under 30 points, which I know some people don't want to necessarily celebrate that, and I get that, but at the same time, too, with what we've been seeing from the defense, that was an improvement. So get the turnovers. Force the turnovers. You do some of that stuff. Man, that doesn't only help your defense out, as Joshua Simon says today, that gives them energy. And as I mentioned, they were able to translate that into touchdowns and get points immediately after last week. Yeah, 100%. With you. Any final thoughts? I'm going to throw some of these things up here. I don't know if any of these. I got nothing. I mean, 
obviously must win again this week. Um, you know, Vanderbilt is, I guess, a lesser of a challenge compared to Kentucky and Clemson, but I mean, your road's just going to get tougher. So if you can find a way to win this one, it'll definitely prepare you for what you got left. And, you know, I mean, I, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility for this squad to win this game. Um, it's at home, which always helps, you know, no atmosphere like Williams Bryce and, you know, they're still playing for something. Bowl eligibility still on the line. So um, should be a pretty good game. Yep, Big Red says, if we went out and get a bull bid, do some of these guys get starter status over the new guys? I think it all comes – if you're talking about next year, or New Year's a new year, as far as what that bowl game looks like, I still think you got to look at what you feel like will be in the best interest of the team at that point because I hate to say it, and I don't want to make assumptions on any players, so I'm not going to say any players by name, but you could have some guys not playing in that game for one reason or another. They might get ready for the draft. They might enter the transfer portal. You don't know. Well, that's always a possibility. And Drew Small says, I saw yesterday where a couple teams were going to make a bowl at five and seven. There are more bowls than six and six. I will say this. I will say this. I understand those 15 practices are important to South Carolina, especially if you guys do believe that Lenora Sellers is the future, which I'm very excited to see what he can do. But giving Lenoris an opportunity to get more practice in, especially if, God forbid, Spencer Rattler weren't to play in a bowl game, if hypothetically USC were to make one, and this is a lot of, you know, what ifs, but that would give him an opportunity, a real big one. And oh, by the way, Dante Reno, four star for the class of 2024, he would actually be practicing with the team. At least he says that would be the plan if they were to make a bowl game. <sighs> All right, Joe. I think that's it. Yep. And uh, RL says, you know, will we see Sellers in the final three games now that he doesn't have to worry about maintaining a red shirt? I will say this. A lot of people wanted to see packages with Lenoris this year. And, Joe, we talked about it at the beginning of the year. I know our colleagues felt otherwise, but you and I, we stayed, we stayed pat with our opinion, which was I can't see it happening. I can't see them burning a red shirt knowing that you're – you have one of the better quarterbacks in the country and you're going to take him off the field to just let him do a couple sneaks, maybe three or four times again. That's just dumb. Um, so having said that, something to keep an eye on. With the carry on joiner now out, DK has been phenomenal in the red zone, especially when they're 10, five yards in. He's been phenomenal. He's just been a magnet to the end zone. With DK out this weekend, and perhaps another game. I don't know. I'll have to wait and see. He was in a boot. He was in a walking boot. I think he had someone posted something on social media seeing him out and about. And he was wearing a walking boot. But this is a perfect opportunity. You put Lenoris back out there in those goal line situations. On top of the fact that you don't have to worry about burning a year of eligibility now. I think you take advantage of it. And I think the timing of it in that regard is perfect. Because now you can kind of fool around with some of those things this weekend. It works out. Shoot. Even if DK is back, now you have another wrinkle. Now you have another wrinkle for Clemson, for Cle- for Kentucky. These teams have to prepare for something else. So that is what I would say to that. If you missed any of our show today, head on over to the Gamecock Central YouTube page where you can watch this show in its entirety. You can also subscribe for free by hitting that little bell icon. So anytime one of these GC Live shows or any Gamecock Central video is uploaded, You'll be notified immediately. It goes right to your phone. 
Or if you're a podcast listener, head on over to the Gamecock Central podcast platform where you can listen to this show in all the other Gamecock Central shows. He's intern Joe. I'm Mike. You appreciate you guys tuning in tonight. Again, Field Yates of ESPN will be joining me on Tuesday at 2 o'clock for GC Live. Have some NFL draft talk about Xavier Leggett, Spencer Rattler, and also his thoughts on what he would advise Juice Wells to do if he were his agent, which, again, he doesn't have one. Not breaking any NCAA rules quite yet. Everyone have yourself a good night, and we'll do it again next Tuesday. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.